broadcasting from an undisclosed location, from a secret hunting spot known only to him, and the guy who told him about it, and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics. Welcome back to another episode of The Hunting Show. I'm your host, Stephen Spargo. What a great couple of weeks I've just had. Been very privileged to not only get up into the hills a couple of times, but also get out duck shooting. And this year I've really thoroughly, really thoroughly, that's great English, but thoroughly enjoyed duck shooting, not only with Mike Felton and got to have access and the use of his my my and thank you again Mike because I know he listens to every show so I better put a plug in there for Felton reloading but also I, I went out on the last day of duck shooting with Mark Clinch and you would have heard a show a little ba- a while back with myself and Mark uh, trying unsuccessfully at that stage to roar in some seeker it was a very early seeker roar and uh, Mark had one of his clients with him Mark is a guide on the side um, and we're going to probably explore that a little bit more in Mark's guiding business and what he does, maybe in a future episode. But we went out with one of his clients and myself, and, and obviously Mark was there, and had a thoroughly enjoyable uh, late evening. And when I say late evening, it was, uh, you know, we, we shot from about mid-afternoon right through to sunset. And uh, again, thank you very much, Mark, for taking me out on that. And I am going to have to get into this whole duck shooting thing a whole lot more. I feel my wallet getting thinner as we speak. A couple of days ago, or was probably more than that, I posted a a link, and some 20,000 of you interacted with that, which is crazy. We only have about 1,700 Facebook followers, which uh, is growing every day, but I do happen to know most of you just listen to the podcast, and uh, maybe most of you don't even want Facebook, so you don't have to rock along there. Go to realtree.com and look up 12 reasons why your venison tastes like hell. Is your dear meat tough, dry, gamey. It shouldn't be. Check this list of 12 butchering sins to find out why your venison tastes bad and how to make it better. And you guys thoroughly interacted with this, which says to me that although we covered this off very early in the hunting show about taking your meat to a butcher, with this was with Jake from M21 Meats right here in Topol, I think we're going to do this again. I'm going to find a wild game butcher, someone that really does specialise in it, and uh, and maybe give you those tips. I mean, there's some great tips on this article, but I think I think there's more to this. Things like poor field care and what that can do to your meat, failure to cool quickly, and uh, and that's a really interesting one. Uh, I've explored that with my butcher, the guy I take most of my animals to, and uh, and he's definitely has opinions on that. Shooting the wrong deer, the wrong deer. Absolutely. You know, if you're after a trophy animal or you're after a meat animal, in my opinion, two quite different animals. Uh, Although you can eat one or the other. Anyway, don't send me hate mail on that comment. You knew what I meant. Failure to age the meat. Absolutely. Dirty knives and power source. Yep, look, I have to say I've been hunting with guys and they've pulled their knife out of their sheath and I've looked at them with that horrified look. You are not putting near that knife near anything that I'm going to eat, although they still, I mean, I'm not that precious, but crikey dick, look after it. You've got here poor trimming. Um, too lean. Um, marinate problems. It goes through a whole lot of stuff about why potentially your meat is tasting too gamey. So have a look at that article, and I would like your opinions on that. Please email me, info at thehuntingshow.co.nz. Or send me a message through Facebook, your opinions on um, 
butchering meat and maybe some questions because that that um, interview is definitely going to come up very soon. Some of you have also been sending me a whole lot of comments on interviews on things that we should be doing or suggestions for the show please keep them coming I love getting them I'm not going to get all up in your grill or offended by them I do really like interview suggestions and and look most of them that you see me are absolutely brilliant so please keep those up this week's interview is with a man that uh, has has a, a decent profile in the hunting industry, and it's David Benfell from NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine, or he's the editor-in-chief. How does it, how does it feel to be the editor-in-chief, David? Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually a little bit of a surprise, really. It wasn't, wasn't um, anything that was planned mm-hmm. or uh, anything that I, that I deliberately set out to do, but I started writing. Mm. And uh, you know, and, and that's really where it all started. It, it really just, like a lot of our writers um, from any of the magazines, it just comes down from the fact that I absolutely love hunting and I love getting out there. And uh, if you can kind of relay that through through writing, then that that's really what it's about. So, mm. and, and David, um, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass here, but gen- <laughs> genuinely, feel, feel free, Steve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, much as you want, mate. Don't, yeah, don't hold back. Don't hold but back. genuinely, you and I have, have, have this in common, and we've spoken about this a couple of times off air, that my whole thing about the show is to give hunters a voice and to try and um, squeeze out of them this this great story that is New Zealand hunting and, and global hunting, for that matter, in my case. And hunters aren't are great storytellers but aren't great communicators. And uh, yeah. I suppose what you and yeah, I are trying true. to do is make that happen, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we're uh, we're as a group, we are a funny bunch. We we are a very funny bunch, and uh, you know, I, sometimes at the heart of some hunters is a, is a kind of a loner aspect to it. You know, there's quite a few loners out there who enjoy hunting, and and sometimes that doesn't quite lend itself to um, what what we are trying to do, or even speaking up um, for for the issues that surround hunting. Um, but you know, there's some great organisations out there, and you know, in a magazine. Uh, does all the magazines do what they can? Isn't it a little bit of a strange um, sort of parody that some of New Zealand's best storytellers have actually been hunters, the likes of Barry Crump? Oh yeah, I, I think yeah, you're right. I think there's a Kiwis traditionally um, have identified very strongly with that outdoor ethic, um, the mm. kind of rough and ready uh, hunter slash mountain man type type of chap. And you know, let's just be honest. Things are changing uh, these days with well, you know, what you might call the modern New Zealander. But but traditionally, we have identified with those guys. And you know, they're, they're great at telling these stories, these yarns. And um, <laughs> yep. so it had something for everybody. You know, yeah. they, they, those stories, anyone can read them and find some common ground and and uh, really like the characters. And uh, but as you said before, it's all about communicating uh, <laughs> yep. what you love about something and. Um, and look, I didn't prep you for this next question at all. I didn't even bring it up. So sorry if this is going to be a bit unusual. What's your thoughts on the metrosexual hunter? We see them now, don't we? We see these guys coming in from particularly larger cities or even small towns like Taupo. I mean, I might even be kind of borderlining on this, you know, where they're, they're, they're wearing a suit and tie and, and the cell phone at one end of their scale and at the other end they're out in the bush with the, you know, with the best of us. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good question, uh, Stephen. It's um, it, 
And by the way, I just made up. Some. I just made up that term, metrosexual hunter. You can use it in your thing. You, <laughs> you, you, you feel free to sorry. use that, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't now because you've you've virtually coined it. So you know, <laughs> if I use it now, everyone know I stole it off you. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it looks good though. That, no, and we, we're looking at doing articles soon on hunters that don't fit that kind of Barry Crump mold that you were talking about. What we're looking at doing is more trying to dredge up is there a banker out there that hunts or something along those lines something a little bit outside of the box and and you raise a very good point and i, I guess where i stand on it is tradi- I, I hate to stereotype but but i'm, but I'm you know i say that but i'm going to anyway <laughs> traditionally the hunting community has been based um not maybe not rurally but at least places where people can get yeah. uh access or, or access to hunting quite quickly and that's always uh, bred a sort of a hunter. He's he's been comfortable out in the bush. He's been happy out there. He's carried a rifle for a long period of time. He's happy with his with his safety. And uh, you know, if he gets bushed for a night, he, he's uh, you know obviously not happy about it. But he he's relatively um, able to sort himself out. Mm. And when you get the metrosexual hunter coming into it, as 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 you've uh, as you've um, called it, <laughs> I just. As long as <laughs> I think it's great, anything that gets people hunting is great. As long as they feel like they are getting the right advice and the yeah. right background knowledge to get out there, because there is the real potential for people to go out there and get themselves in big trouble just because they've rushed it. They might have read a book, or they might have read Barry Crump and thought they can just get out there. And uh, you, you know, you and I both know there's a lot of serious. Uh, mm precautions that you need to take and if i think if they're getting the right advice if they've joined the nzda and uh, they're speaking to the right people then absolutely go for it you know get out there and just really get the best of what new zealand's got to offer but um don't don't overstretch yourself okay that's really important if, if you spend all your time in auckland and you you you've your, your skills might they're either rusty or non-existent really you're, you're just asking for trouble if you uh push the boundaries of it and, that, and that's where i stand on it yeah look and, and i stand probably somewhere very similar that i also think this is a great chance to say get a guide you know the first few times if you sure. if you you know and i'm not trying to push people everyone oh guiding can hunting all this sort of stuff <laughs> look go and get a guide get them to yep. take you out enjoy that first hunt a whole lot more don't spend six years sure. aimlessly walking around the hills not seeing feeling understanding and then hating absolutely. it uh, a guide can can kind of build that bridge for you so quickly can't they yeah absolutely and uh you know, if you, and, and it was for the NZDA comes into it, and yeah. every club's got some real fountains of knowledge there. And if you know, if you're not uh, prepared to sort of pay for a guide, there's plenty of guys in there. He'll take you for a walk, and uh, and there's the hunts course as well. These are all designed. The organisation and the hunts course and so on is all designed to give people that base knowledge, so that they feel comfortable out there. You, you and I. The way we've hunted and the way a lot of guys have hunted around New Zealand, that they feel they go out into the bush and they feel comfortable. Mm. They love it. They they go out there and they feel just connected and they know what they're doing. We forget what it feels like to go into the bush and feel a little bit out of your depth, <laughs> a little bit scared, a little bit shall I go down here or shall I or am I gonna get lost or 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 am I on the right ridge? This kind of thing, and that, you know, you kind of forget that you take it for granted. But that really, those first few years, 
it's a big part of it. Absolutely. And just on that diversifying hunters thing, I'll tell you who I I met today, and I can't tell you who they are because I'm not going to share the gentleman's name, but he was a transgender hunter. Wow. I know, I know. It blew my mind. Good good frickin' on him. It was amazing. He, he sure. went from female to male, so he is a, it is a he. I haven't got that round the wrong way. Oh, I see. And yeah. uh, Australian, and I didn't hold that against him. <laughs> Sorry, we have a few <laughs> listeners. Um, poor old Christian from Rabbit Range is going to be just like face palming when I say that. But he's Australian, um, transgender, sure. and he is heading into the hills in New Zealand for 10 days. Heaps of experience. Great. Hell of a nice guy. Uh, yep. you, you know, isn't the fraternity of hunting such a diverse bunch of people, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Jeez, uh, yeah that's, that's best of luck. Absolutely best of luck. I hope he enjoys himself. Oh, and I'm absolutely sure he will. David, how did your raw go? Yeah, it was very good, actually. Mm-hmm. I had a great raw. Um, I got hit with a nasty overspread penalty again for a secure hit again. And my last two heads are all out overspread penalties. I'm trying not to be better, but you can tell I am a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Okay, but no, no, the Douglas score is what it is. And it, uh, it, um, there is a good reason for that. But, yeah, no, I, I had some good success. I learned some great lessons. And, um, yeah, I had a great time. So I, got, I took a couple of nice uh, eight-point secure and uh, chased a lot of reds around, roared up quite a few, and just nothing, nothing quite what I was after. But I, I got out with the family as well and had, had a really good time. And mm. um, you know, on the safety side of it, I tend to choose places that um, you know people, you know, you talk about the Clements Road, uh, the amount of people that hunt there. Mm. There are hundreds of other spots where you would be hard pressed to see a hunter on some days, uh, even over the raw. And uh, so I want to say that, you know, that's just one thing I do to um, uh, stop that. Yeah, um, I actually, that segues really well into something I wanted to bring up, and I wanted your opinions on this, and that is balloting for public yeah. land hunts. I, sure. I, I'm not sure. You know, I, I, would, yeah. I will stand up and I will fight for every Kiwi's inherent yeah. right to go out and provide or to hunt and provide meat for their family. And sure, I think that's sure. something that, that I, I find I, I, is very dear to me. And I'm not talking about yep. poaching. I'm talking about public land, easy yes. access yep. to, 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 the, to what we have and what we hold close to our hearts. Sure. But the flip side of that is going down places like Clements Mill Road, and I did mention this in a, in a Facebook post and in a few shows, and seeing sure. 53 cars in, in, in <laughs> such a small space. And, and to me, yeah. that ain't, it's a shooting range. It's, it's an accident yeah. waiting to happen. Um, yeah. What can we do about that? Yeah, it's uh, look. I, I, I yep. I, I'd have to agree with you there as well. Look, I, I am absolutely wary, if not against, a balloting system in place, uh, even over the raw for some of those places. Okay, I, I um, one of the beautiful things about hunting here is our ability to just go out and hunt on public land, uh, you know, where and when we want. Okay, and and I think as soon as you start going down, I know there are balloted blocks um, around New Zealand at times, and uh, you know, um, Helensville, Helensville, or Helensburg, you know, Woodville, you know, up there and uh, down south of the Wapiti. And I understand the reasons for that, but for me, I think the majority of hunting should stay uh, very much open access and without a ballot because the the danger I foresee. And, uh, you know, a lot of people disagree with this, but the danger I foresee is in the future, as soon as you go down this road of balloting, to me, it ends at buying tags for you in the raw and you're allowed to shoot one hind 
and you've bought that tag or, or or a system in place of that. To me, that's where it kind of leads to. Can I, uh, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I can. Now, I had I, I had some people on the show not that long ago. They were from Apache Lodge in or Apache Outfitters in British Columbia, in Canada. And, oh right. And off air, they were quite horrified at New Zealand's safety record. Yeah. And how many people got shot? And they said that one thing that balloting does, they believed, was to was to increase target identification. And and he explained yeah. it this way to me. He said, if you've got a tag and you've got one one high and one stag or, or whatever you've got sitting there, and that's all you're allowed to shoot, when you start to look or glass up for animals, or even when that scopes on them, you're going to spend yeah. an awful lot of time either counting the. You know, the, you're going to be looking at the timber. You're going to be counting points. You're sure. going to make sure that one counts. Um, yeah. And they said that they believed that helped with with target identification and safety. And in in a way, I I agree. I see where they're coming from. Then yeah. it comes back yeah. to that inherent right to go hunting in this yeah. country. I, I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I I I I know what they're talking about, and I understand, and and I actually agree with them. However. Uh, at times in my life, I've been a skydiver. Um, I've, d- yeah. I've done all sorts of crazy stuff, okay? If you were going to do something that has an inherent risk, if you're going to do something risky, then there is always going to be a risk of people involved. Okay, that might lessen the risk, but what do we give up by going down that road? I say we give up a lot. Um, you know, if you hunt, it's an absolutely shocking thing, and it's a tragedy, and, you know, it shouldn't happen, but it does because people are involved, Okay accidents will happen and as much as we don't want to accept it it's how long have people been riding horses there's always going to be people having accidents on their horse spanking in mountaineering any kind of sport or outdoor pursuit Mm. how long have we been developing these these pursuits for for hundreds of years hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and still things like this happen there is always going to be an element and to try and counter that, I would hate to see us giving up a lot of what makes this country amazing to hunt in, and that's the danger. I, I just see it as a danger of of of, of taking away, taking away from us. And so, you know, there, there is a risk out there. And from my point of view, Stephen, I I accept that risk. You know, that <laughs> if I want to go out there and I want to go and hunt in areas where there is other hunters, then it is and always going to be an element. It, it is always going to be an element, and, and that might not be a popular view, but it's my it, it is my view. And I completely I, I relate to where you're coming from, but but at what point do we say enough is enough? Sure. Yep. I guess I guess that is the real question. That is when you put it into perspective. Hmm. Um, I think you have to look at the hard data as well. You know, you really have to look at you have to compare it to other other sports. You, you've got to compare it to horse riding. You've got to compare it to the other sports where people are getting injured. Is it comparable? Mm. I think you'll probably find that it is a heck of a lot safer uh, than a lot of those other pursuits. But it doesn't make the news. It's not as those other sports are not as good. Uh, not as good headlines. I think because if if it's a horse, and look, I'm going to put this here, and, and I'm going. I'm sure people are going to hate me for this. I don't trust horses. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what they're thinking, and I, I, re- I get on them occasionally, and I ride a horse, but something about their their marbly horsey eyes, I just, I, yeah. I never quite yeah. trust them. But that that's completely irrelevant. When a horse, I, I'd have to agree with you. I think there's a there's a there's a there's a term, I think there's a phrase that any animal that is really large but has a really tiny brain 
is yeah. not to be trusted and a horse comes into that category for me <laughs> it's smack bang in the middle look oh, yeah you've now you've lost my train of thought oh i know what, <laughs> i i know what i was going to we were hating horses yeah we were hating horses <laughs> but the difference is is that when a horse uh, you know injures a person or or, or kills somebody it isn't a person it isn't that yeah. a person pulled the trigger yes. yep. and right. made yep. an absolute cock up of a mistake sure. and 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 now someone's family is is mourning you know that that's that's sure. why i think it's different yes no you are right you, you, i'm not exactly comparing um apples with apples there you are right that there um the the the, the shockingness of of hunting act of uh, hunting accidents is um is, is abhorrent to us, isn't it? As people and as hunters, we mm. find it completely just such a... We can't even comprehend it, really. We, we do struggle to comprehend it. Something I'm liking about the hunting fraternity at the moment, or collectively, is that I think we've moved on from accepting this as a... as a acceptable, Having an acceptable level of risk in hunting that I think people sure. had 10, 15 years ago to now saying no one... This, look, it's going to happen. This won't be the last yep. time you and I probably talk about this, but we've sure. gone from having an acceptable level to saying it is never acceptable, and and really pushing for a way out of this. You know, I don't, I personally yep. don't agree with prosecution. Ooh, that's you know, sure. I, I think unless it's negligence, um, which is different again. Yeah, yeah. I, oh gosh, it's a hard one, isn't it? Gee whiz, I better shut up. It is tough. No, it is tough. You, you, you are exactly right. And, you know, uh, for instance, that pretty shocking incident down in Stewart Island. I mean, you yeah. know, the, the chap's got a life sentence to start with anyway, no matter yeah. what the courts say. So, uh, it, um, yeah, it is, it is a very thorny, very thorny yeah. subject. But, and then part uh, of me goes, yes, but then they need to be to, to stop it. Oh, gosh. Look, th- yeah. there's, there's actually some really interesting research coming out. And I, I touched on this um, with, with Kerry from The Bloke the other week that – that actually shows the process that our brain goes through. I mean, at the end of the day, where we are apex, or we are predators, you know, eyes forward, sure. and that when we're out hunting, where we are, it's very instinct. You know, there's a lot of instinct happening there. There's a lot yeah. of primal stuff going on, and there's some sure. real research now into what's happening and and how to change that pattern, isn't there? And and that might be sure. quite exciting to see develop. Yeah, no, I I do think that uh, you know, there's there's a I've written about it a few times. It's just a the senses that we don't use when we're living in our normal lives and they're, they're pretty considerable. And, and then when you go out into the bush and you go hunting, you, you feel alive, you, you're tuned in, you're switched on, you, your hearing is, 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 uh, is, um, seems to have gone up a few notches and you, you're smelling things again, whereas you normally, uh, don't really take the time to smell things when you're in your daily life and you're, uh, you're really connecting on a different level. And that, that is part of the appeal for hunting, but you are right. It does kind of lead on to, uh, um, potentially uh, cause accidents. Mm. When, now, uh, now, the next thing I, I had on my list to talk to you about is public versus private hunting. Now, sure. I, I'll tell you where I sit. I don't really have an opinion on it. You know, If you want to go yeah. and pay to go on a private land, um, yeah. great. We've got enough sure. public land that people can just go onto that. But this, there's this whole poaching thing comes up again. There isn't enough sure. access and blah, blah, blah. I, I, I just yeah. don't wear it. Yeah, no. I, 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 again, I, it's it's uh, it's getting a bit dodgy. I'm blooming and agreeing with you on everything. I know right? we don't. I, this is new. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I I have to agree with you in that. I I struggle with when people really get up in arms about private land because 
to me if somebody owns that land I, I honestly do not care what you do on it as long as you're within the bounds of law as long as what you uh, uh you know you're you're um it's morally acceptable to yourself what you do on your land i don't care if people want to go on land and pay to, to uh, you know, whichever station or wherever it is, and and uh, shoot animals or can hunts. I I really don't care. It, it, I don't I don't understand it because a, uh, a a livestock take livestock. It's it's um brought up on a farm. It's got a zero percent chance of making it. Okay, it's going to it's going to be killed for our food. It, it is. It, we bring it up and then we kill it. Okay. To me, a canned hunt is exactly the same thing. So if, <laughs> for one thing, if you're not going up in arms about a cow that's been um, slaughtered for beef. It, to me, it's the same thing as an animal. It's not hunting. I, I would never call it hunting. But um, you know, if people have got the money, it's it's uh, it's. I, I don't really get up in arms about what people do on private land. I think we have enough public land uh, to hunt on. I know. I know personally, I've never struggled. Mm. And uh, I, I also think down south, you've got a, a slightly different attitude towards private land as well. And just in that, they have. A lot more large stations where the owners are much more prepared to let hunters mm. onto their land to maybe you know start off on the wallabies and then and then move on to dare eventually or whatever's running around so a lot more south island hunters you know can get access to that kind of hunting oh, that's interesting whereas yeah. in the north island in the north island you don't get that because the land is at a premium up here we've got a much higher population and, you know, imagine just rocking up to the sort of a station like Poranui and knocking on the door and saying, you know, uh, I was just driving past and I see you have a lot of deer on there. And I was just wondering if I could, you know, you know nothing much, just an eight-point stag or three. Smash one of those over, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah. I'll bring you back some venison. <laughs> yeah, that's right. As a favor for you, I'll give you half a back steak. But, uh, you know what I mean. There's, there's, there's a difference between uh, the South Island perception and the North Island perception. And the North and the South Island, they get a lot better access. Not, not everybody. I know um, around the main centres, Christchurch, and that it's still tough. But, um, but yeah, t to me, to me, honestly, seeing people, you can pay to do whatever you want on private land. I don't, I do not care. Mm. This this next one actually came from someone. I don't know if they're a listener or a complainer, and and the, I don't. I think those two things are quite different. I get people that complain about uh, mainly about our sport, and and some of them are from overseas. You know, they have an issue with hunting, and and I yeah, seem to be sure. a, a lightning rod for that. But they made a they made a really interesting point. And they asked me this question, and I don't have an answer for it yet. And it was around, sure. and I'm not going to read it to you because it was really long and it wasn't spelt very well. Uh, but yep. <laughs> it, it, it was <laughs> most complaints aren't spelt well. It's like they're thumping the keyboard as fast as they can. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just little angry people. But anyway, it was it was a good point, and it was that if we had the opportunity to return New Zealand and outside of the yeah. cities to to back to only native species, so there'd be nothing sure. introduced. That's rabbits, possums, yep. deers, deer, pigs. Yep. Or keeping our sport as active as it is, yeah, or or, or, was, or, was in, or even maybe make it better. What would we sure. choose? Yeah, no brainer for me. Absolute no brainer. Yep, no. I would. I would. I would leave it. I. Uh, That's a big the, call, the, the, David. The, That's a big yeah, call. Yeah, I, I, I know it is a big call, but I, I just literally, um, you look at uh, living in New Zealand. We're very isolated. The wages are not great here. People, uh, our, our lower half of society, they, they don't get paid a lot uh, to live here. There, there's a lot of um, struggling in that lower portion. 
there's only there is a lot of positives here and one of the positives is our hunting and our outdoors mm. and to take that away is you know i i just it's uh yeah it would be it would be massive but in the bush i i wonder if a lot of hunters would agree with me i don't really see i i've hunted a few places with high populations of deer and uh, I don't really see, I don't see erosion happening everywhere that, you know, there's the obvious browsing and a bit of grazing going on, but it's not the bee, it's not the end of the New Zealand bush. Mm. There's only one animal on the planet that has really affected the New Zealand bush or any forest mm. around the place or the ocean. And I think we both all know what animal yeah. that was, and that's women homo sapiens, mate. Yeah, but that, uh, but that aside, if we, if, if, now... A long time ago, I did an interview with um, the with the Trojan Female Project, um, the the professor from Otago University, and basically sure. what he has is this Trojan Female pro- uh, Project that he's got going, and within a hundred years has potentially the 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 tools to wipe out possums in New Zealand within a hundred years, sure. and and yep. without poison. So it's great. Anti ten eighty yeah. lobbies just you know they're they're right. they're just excited about it the flip side about it is it can be done with any mammal whatsoever and it can't transfer from one species to another it's it's not like that it's not dangerous it's it's going to be you know one of those weird armageddon type movies where everyone's zombified it's it's not that it's (laughs) it really is just that they can introduce this make it happen and the species collapses um and humanely no one no one they they die of old age basically they just can't breed sure you know you know what i'm going where i'm going with this this could happen yeah absolutely yep of course, it's well within the rounds of possibility. But, um, you know, on the flip side, these animals have been here now for, you know, not, not historically not a long period of time. But has anyone um, studied, do they have any benefit at all? Mm. They, they, they must have some benefit on the When they slot they, into they an ecosystem. Good. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we have total agreement there. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just don't think it's as, as simple as that. And... Mm. Uh, you know, were you thinking take it back to the you know massive cowrie trees everywhere? Because then that would be a hard question for me. Because having the old um, you know traditional podocarp forests and you know ancient the ancient forests that would be a hard question for me because that you, you see the remnants that we have left now after so many years of destruction, mm. and uh, you think what would they must have been like? You know, we don't we don't really mm. have much left, and uh, that would have been something to it's really something to walk through and. Um, yeah, I would See, love that. For me, that one I thought was morally was a hard thing to answer, but sure. actually, outside of that, I, I completely agree with you in this case that um, yeah. that I think that 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 you're right. These animals aren't exactly doing a whole lot of damage, yeah. and I'd like to be proven wrong if you want to prove me wrong. Info at the hunting show. Sure. <laughs> but but look, I'm willing to be proved wrong and have that discussion. But do you think it's a debate? Maybe I mean it's it's, it's almost a bit of a mental wank because it can't happen. Sure. There's no practical way to happen, have that happen quite yet. But the science yeah. is there. <clears throat> Absolutely, no, the science is uh, it's certainly coming along. And um, yeah, well, it, it might almost be good if they did make zombie possums because <laughs> then we would be fully justified, and you know, people would be knocking on our doors and saying, you know, I've got these zombie possums on my property, and uh, <laughs> they're attacking, they're attacking passing trampers. Yeah, yeah. Rule number and, uh, twenty-two, yeah. cardio, whatever. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, David, the, the last thing I want to have a quick chat to you about is this twenty-two long-range shoot that you did. Can you tell me a bit more about it? I'm fascinated. Yeah, it was just. Uh, 
I've since I've come home, I've done a lot of hunting and I've done a little bit of range shooting. And the most fun I've had on a range since I was in the military was at 22. Uh, it's called 22 Jungle Lane, and uh, it's based in uh, on Hangaweta Station in the Waikato. And uh, Harry Hoover is he's sort of it's his brainchild. He's he's nurtured it, and uh, the second one was this year. And I uh, saw it advertised on Facebook and decided to, to get in contact and um, go down and have a try my hand at it. So much fun, Stephen. You, it's, it's, it's so straightforward. Um, you can compete with uh, any off-the-shelf 22. Um, so, you know, your possum uh, shooting rifle, take that along. Um, and if it's got a, a nine-power scope, you can go into the sort of hunter's section. Yeah. And then you have an open class if you have a 22 that has modifications. But it's all, it's all um, 22 long rifle. Uh, and it's shot out to ranges. The scoring, longest scoring target is maybe out to 200 meters, uh, somewhere around there. But you can shoot when once you step off. You can be shooting for sort of seven to eight hours. Gee. It is so much fun, mate. Honestly, you know, you obviously you've got your lunch and everything with you. And um, in terms of trigger time, uh, adjusting to different wind positions, you know, um, adjusting to different distances and targets. Oh, I've I had an absolute ball, and everybody that went had a ball. And, we're really looking to push it forward for next year's event. See, the interesting thing, this is something that Mrs. Spargo would be interested in. See, my wife isn't isn't into the big calibers, um, but she's she'll actually a it, bloody yeah. good shot and, and yeah. really enjoys shooting. So this would be great for her, eh? This, and me. I mean, I mean, I was talking to you off here and going, wow, this sounds great. I, I want to go. Yeah, it was. It, it's absolutely perfect. Yeah, exactly right. She'll love it. She'll absolutely love it. Because it's, even though it's a competition, um, if she wanted to have an instructor go around the, the course of fire with her, you can pay a little bit extra mm. and you have some experienced shooter like uh, maybe Simon Gillis or somebody that he did some coaching this year. And uh, you'll, you'll shoot the course of fire with that person and they'll just instruct instruct you on shooting and, and help you out with the targets. And it's, it's really relaxed. Mm. Unlike most other range things I've ever done, it's just the pace and the relaxation and just the fun. Mm. Um, you're in a four-man team, and you just go from from station to station, um, uh, firing whatever whatever the requirement is for that um, part. And and one will be spotting, one will be scoring, and one person will be range safety out of your four-man group. So um, yeah, it was. Oh, I, I think it's got real scope to get people out shooting, get exact, get yeah. Mrs. Spargo out there, get kids out there <laughs> shooting. You know, it's so it's so it's yeah. so family friendly. Mm. It's so family friendly. And look, you and I, let's see if we can organise this and we'll do a show down there because I think this is, I, I, I love these kinds of events, you know, anything to get the family together and, and, and yep. out, outdoors and participating, particularly this time of year, you know. Sure. Well, we'll look at what I was looking to do as well. I, I convinced Harry to have a teams event. It's, it was individual this year mm. and next year will be the third event and uh, I've convinced him to make uh, perhaps the Sunday will be a teams event. Yes. NZ Outdoor is putting in a team. Mm. And let's just go for it. Let's throw it out there. I'm challenging uh, NZ Hunter magazine and NZ Guns and Hunting and uh, the NZDA publication. All of you put in the team and uh, let's just settle this. And, one and look, I, the hunting all. show, I think, could put in a, a bloody good team too. And I, I reckon, uh, yes, yeah, I'd like, I'm, I'm on your team, David, but maybe, yep. Yep. <laughs> maybe <laughs> for this one, maybe we should just go head to head. And um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure I can muster up a team for this. Yeah, honestly, and I'm really looking forward to that aspect as well. But the challenge has gone out there, and uh, you know, let's let's settle this magazine rivalry once and for all. And look, and, and I'm I don't have a competition radio show. 
<laughs> I, look, I'll touch just wood. touch wood. Touch yeah, look, wood I don't care Steven. if they're uh, look. I, I'm I'm not stressed about that. But at this stage, um, David, I think let's do it. Let's see if we can organise this. And uh, what I could be really good at is, you know, the the hunting show team could just be kind of like the cool guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. We just well, from a marketing perspective, Stephen, <laughs> from a marketing perspective, it could for your future advertising, it could be said that you are the number one hunting tech well, show yeah, podcast and, and, in New Zealand. You know, you are the number one, number one show. We've you know? actually crept in and out of um, the, those top ten um, total radio podcasts in New Zealand, so we're doing very well, thanks to your magazine. You know, no, a little I'm very, bit. I'm very, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very happy for you, mate. You do, you do a great job, and oh. uh, I know I enjoy the show, and everybody, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, everybody I speak to enjoys the show as well. Fantastic, David. Look, just because we have to plug the magazine, where can we find yeah. it? Oh, absolutely. Any decent, you know, if you go into a bookstore and it's not there, go up to the counter and say, look, NZ Outdoor's not here and, and you need to get it in stock. But, uh, you know, any of your, any of your um, outdoor stores, any of your hunting stores, uh, all of your supermarkets and the odd mm. service station. But, um, you know, subscriptions as well. We are about to run a really good subscription deal as well. So if you want to save yourself a bit of money, and I know that's quite close to a lot of Kiwis' hearts. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to save yourself a few dollars, uh, get a subscription. And, and look out for the deal that will be coming out soon. And you could win a subscription. All you need to do is be active with the hunting show. NZ ah, Outdoor exactly. Hunting, we're giving away a 12-month subscription um, coming up very soon. And we've got this neat little tool. We can measure metrics and see who's been active and who's been interacting with us. And, or, and, and emailing does count because most of our listeners don't use Facebook. Info at thehuntingshow.co.nz. Flick me an email and believe it or not, you kind of fit into those metrics and we figure out who the most active people are with the show and uh, and they win. So good on them. Good stuff. Okay, David, look, thank you very much and let's do this again very soon. Guys, be careful out there. David, you be careful out there and good hunting. Thank you very much, Stephen. Take care. Broadcasting from an undisclosed location, from a secret hunting spot known only to him, and the guy who told him about it, and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics.